coming to you from deep inside the bowels of a great big empty. Get ready for another episode of The Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. And that was Golden Glenn, the official announcer of The Home Defense Show, and I'm your host, Skip Coriel. Author of 22 books, Marine Corps veteran, founder of the Second Amendment March, proud father of seven, grandfather to 19 and counting, and as a special bonus, I'm also madly in love with my own wife. My priorities in life are God, family, and country in that order, and I hereby promise to never compromise in my convictions. I may go broke, but I'll never go woke. All right, folks, we got a great show for you today. First, we're going to speak with Tom Lambert, an attorney here in Michigan. Then we'll be speaking with Vincent Walker from the great state of Maryland in our ShootingClasses.com self-defense report, where we get some expert advice on the details of self-defense. Before we get too far into the show, let's thank our sponsors, United States Concealed Carry Association, ShootingClasses.com, and CenterShot Indoor Gun Range. Okay, what do I want to talk about today? There's so much happening out there, and it seems like everything that's happening affects our home, family, and personal defense. And, you know, I've been watching the news, and I ran across this article. This is from Blaze Media, and the headline reads, Texas man pretended to be a minor online in order to track down sex offender and left him dead in a ditch. A man pretended to be a minor online in order to track down a sex offender and then shot him to death, according to police in Texas. Court documents indicate that 24-year-old James Lewis Spencer III made statements to the effect that he would do something about pedophiles if cops were unable to dole out justice. Spencer is accused of killing 37-year-old Sean Connery Showers in May. Showers had admitted to possessing child pornography when he was 23 years old. He failed to register as a sex offender, and then in 2018, he was arrested for entering the Bel Air High School without notifying the office during standard operating hours. He served two years for that offense and was let out of prison in 2021, according to Andy Cahan with Crime Stoppers. According to investigators, Spencer contacted Showers in May while pretending to be a minor and got him to agree to meet him for sex. Instead, Spencer allegedly shot Showers several times as he was walking near home. The man's body was found in a ditch. The judge set Spencer's bond at quarter of a million dollars. He's in jail right now and he faces life in prison if he's convicted. All right. What do we have to say about this? Folks, we live in a crazy world, and it just seems to be getting crazier and crazier all the time. But I'm not torn, but I'm ambivalent about this. Basically, what we're talking about is we're talking about vigilantism, right? In the Oxford Dictionary, vigilante, a member of a self-appointed group of citizens who undertake law enforcement in their community without legal authority, typically because the legal agencies are thought to be inadequate. Folks, I can tell you right now, I, I sincerely believe that the legal authority in our country, all across the country, is incompetent, it's inadequate. In some cases, it's just downright immoral. Like the lady last week, we talked about a woman who stabbed her boyfriend 108 times and ended up with probation and community service. And then we had the, uh, the guy at the Taqueria down in Houston uh, a year ago who shot a man's, you know, nine times, four that were 
you know, in my mind, legally justified, four that were questionable, and then the ninth round, while he was laying maybe already dead on the ground. It just tells me that people are sick and tired of crime with impunity. People have this innate, intrinsic sense of justice. You know, they just know that getting away with crime is wrong. And it's kind of like, if I can't do it, then you can't do it either. And if someone else can do whatever the heck they want to get away with murder, then that rankled the rest of us. And so the, the, the whole society is torn. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm upset about that. And here's, here's what I see happening, folks. I see this happening more and more and more as we go through this election year. It's going to bad. You're going to see more and more of this. Um, you're going to see people setting traps for criminals. Um, there's just no getting around it. This is not a new thing. This has been around for, you know, centuries. Uh, people have this sense of justice, and if justice isn't borne out by the authorities, then they tend to take the law into their own hands. I mean, we saw it in the, in the quote, Wild West, right? You know, form a posse, go out and, and find the, the horse thief and, and lynch him. Folks, it was wrong then. It, it, it's wrong now, okay? Because we, people need to have their day in court. Because sometimes innocent people are lynched. I mean, that's, that's the way it was. I mean, you hear all the time about people who spend 20 years in prison and then they're exonerated after 20 years in prison. The justice system has to work, though. It has to work, and it's broken right now. But what isn't broken in our society right now? You know, just about everything's broken. The, the southern border is, is, is wide open. Uh, politicians, you know, who are immoral and using people and lying and cheating and, you know, just treating us like serfs, okay? All of this stuff is happening. And it's going to keep on happening. I, I remember 55 years ago, you know, when I was a kid, sitting around the dinner table, right? There was a man in our community. Uh, he was a, a scout leader. And my mom and dad were talking around the table. It was odd because it's, it's like us kids weren't even there, right? And they were talking about you know, how so-and-so had sexually abused, you know, one of the scouts. And then uh, my dad made the comment, which, you know, struck me as odd, you know, coming from a 10-year-old. You know, I'm 10 years old, and, I'm, and he said, well, don't worry about it. Some of the boys are going to take care of it. And I remember thinking, how are they going to take care of it? What is going to happen here? And then the man in question turned up missing, and he was never seen or heard from again. 
I don't know what happened, but I suspect what happened. I suspect it was vigilante justice, and people just took care of it themselves. Folks, I understand the temptation. I understand the feelings behind it. You're seeing innocent people get hurt, and it's especially difficult when the person getting hurt is a child. But I would encourage you to just maintain a steady course. Keep an even keel. Stay calm. Don't lose your head. Don't get caught up in the emotion of it all. Get armed, get trained, and be ready to protect yourself and the ones that you love. But don't go off the rails on this, folks. When everyone else in the room is losing their head, you need to keep your head. And so that's what I would encourage you to do. All right, folks, please write me and tell me what you think. You can email me at skip at homedefenseshow.com. All right, folks, if you want to learn how to protect yourself and your loved ones, then you need to check out our sponsor, United States Concealed Carry Association. Just go to uscca.com and see how they can help you protect and defend the ones you love. This is Skip Coriel on Home Defense Show. Coming up next, we'll be interviewing attorney Tom Lambert and talking about the Supreme Court Bruin decision. And then we'll have the self-defense report with Vincent Walker, sponsored by shootingclasses.com. In the meantime, God bless and stay safe. We will be right back. Coming to you from deep inside the bowels of a great big empty. Get ready for another episode of The Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. And that was the beautiful and sultry voice of Golden Glenn, the official announcer of The Home Defense Show, and I'm your host, Skip Coriel. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, United States Concealed Carry Association, ShootingClasses.com, and CenterShot Indoor Gun Range for all your training and equipment needs. All right, folks, I'd like to introduce a good friend of mine, attorney Tom Lambert from the great state of Michigan. Tom, welcome to The Home Defense Show. Hi, Skip. It's good to talk to you again. I think this might actually be the first time since you've added the title attorney to that name. Yes. yeah, I think you are absolutely right. Before that, you were just a plain old ordinary citizen who, like, spoke English. Yeah, it was uh, an unlicensed jerk at that point. Yes. Now you speak legalese, but I'll do my best to keep up with you. Tom, I invited you on the show because... I wanted to talk about the Supreme Court Bruin decision. When I'm listening to you talk, you always mention the, the Bruin case. Just pretend like I'm some fuddrucker, you know, bopping under the bridge, and I, I don't know which end of the round the barrel comes out of. Tell me about the Bruin case. What is it, and, and why is it so important? Well, the, the, the full case is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin came out in, uh, if I recall correctly, 2022. It was a decision from the United States Supreme Court, and it was the first decision relevant to the, or major decision at least, relevant to the Second Amendment since McDonald's, or, um, and McDonald was a follow-up to Heller. A lot of people know the Heller decision. That was the first big Second Amendment decision we had in, in, in decades. 
In Heller, the United States Supreme Court held that the right to keep and bear arms was an individual right, not a collective right. That was 2008. A couple years later in McDonald, they followed it up and said, yes, the Second Amendment applies to the state, meaning, yes, the states need to respect the Second Amendment too, not just the federal government. And then they kind of left things alone for a very, very long time. And a lot of people in the Second Amendment community were getting very, very frustrated because we had this Heller decision, but yeah, this, this, these federal circuit courts of appeal, just they, they weren't really following it, according to us. And finally, Another case got before the United States Supreme Court. That was, again, the New York State Pistol and Rifle Association versus Bruin, often just called the Bruin decision. And in 2022, the United States Supreme Court for the first time held that there is individual fundamental right to bear arms outside of the home, not just inside of the home. I know this sounds very obvious and fundamental to your audience, but it is a gigantic step forward in the legal position for the Second Amendment. But to get there, the Supreme Court had to create a framework for the analysis. And that's where the vast majority of the conversation turns to. All right, this is Skip Corrilan, the Home Defense Show. And we're speaking with attorney Tom Lambert about the Supreme Court Bruin decision. Why is this Bruin decision so important? How is it affecting us here around the country? In Bruin, they addressed the main issue concealed pistol licensing scheme in New York and held that a main issue system did not comply with the Second Amendment. May issue, that's out. But we only have a few states left that are may issue, right? So really not that big of a deal. But again, I said it was the framework and how they got there that was the biggest piece. Courts like the Supreme Court, Supreme Court of Michigan, Supreme Court of the United States, they're not necessarily concerned with a single case in front of them. They're more concerned with the next 100 or 1,000 cases that will follow with all the other courts in the United States. So they created this framework for everyone else to follow. And that framework is whatever restriction on the Second Amendment there is, it has to be consistent with the history and traditions of the country. Okay, what does that mean? Basically, what you have to do is you have to go back to either the the ratification of the Second Amendment or the ratification of the 14th Amendment, which kind of applied a lot of this to the states. Let's go back to the ratification of the Second Amendment, so effectively 1700s. And at that time, was it a history and tradition of the country that this type of restriction was well understood to not violate the right to keep and bear arms? Once you establish this, it's either in or out. If it's consistent, with the history and tradition. The Bruin decision says that this is a restriction that is okay to have. It's either in or it's out. It's consistent with the history and tradition or it's unconstitutional. Plain as that. And as I'm sure a lot of your listeners might be thinking, well, geez, what kind of regulations did we have around the ratification of the Second Amendment on, on guns? Can't really think of too many. And that's right. There were not many. So that is a very friendly test to the right to keep the bear arms to play devil's advocate here the other side is probably saying things like well yeah but they didn't have automatic weapons they didn't have things like missile launchers and you know nuclear weapons and and all of this stuff so they're going to say well yeah but the founders couldn't foresee everything that was going to happen 200 years from now well what do you say to that and the supreme court addressed that uh, they said we, we don't need something that's exactly the same 
you don't need uh, a regulation on the possession of missile launchers from the 1700s. Something along the lines that's relatively similar or close enough could be enough to establish a history and tradition. I'm trying to think. Uh, one of the things they talked about was back then it was understood, they said there was a history and tradition of regulations prohibiting firearms in what they called sensitive places. They just said uh, presumably things like government buildings and schools were sensitive places. The court has yet to create a framework to establish what is and what is not a sensitive place. But just as an example, they've said, well, we had sensitive places then. We're going to say that it's consistent with the history and traditions of the country that there will be sensitive places today. And then we'll leave for another day how exactly to figure out what is and what is not a sensitive place. Okay, yeah, our schools are different today than they were then, but if it's along the same lines, then it's close enough for today. I guess the problem in my mind is the term sensitive, who gets to define the word sensitive? Well, we don't know yet, because uh, like I said, the Supreme Court has yet to create a framework for sensitive plates. We've seen a number of what is being termed Bruin response legislation. A couple states, New Jersey being one of them, had a Bruin response bill where it looks like they just threw absolutely everything at the wall. They enacted every little restriction that they could possibly think of. And it seems like what their strategy is, is they're going to throw it all into the pot. And then they're going to say to the court, you tell us what we can't have. And then whatever you don't tell us that we can't have, we get to keep. So they're going to end up with the, effectively the most amount that they possibly can have. But thankfully, at least so far, a decent amount of it is getting struck down. Um, regular restrictions on carrying in public transportation, restrictions in carrying in parks, um, in some cases, magazine limits, um, in some cases, assault weapons bans. Not every court is striking these down, but a lot of them are. And be sure that this still has a long way to go. Bruin will be litigated for probably decades to come to figure out what exactly are the full implications of the Bruin decision. It's really that massive. Well, you're going to have your uh, your hands full there, Tom, but, but I appreciate that you are one of the guys that are on the front lines of this. Uh, we're out of time for this uh, segment, Tom, but we're going to come back in the uh, second segment. We're going to continue our conversation with you, maybe uh, transition into something a little bit uh, different. But hey, folks, during the break, go ahead and pump out 20 pull-ups and get back in physical shape. But be careful because you're not as young and spry as you used to be. God bless and stay safe. We will be right back. Avoid danger, save lives, and keep your loved ones safe. If this sounds good to you, you sound good to me. And I'd like to help you do those things. Avoid danger, save lives, and keep your loved ones safe. If you're looking for more excitement in your life, we have nothing to offer you. But if you are a thoughtful, responsible, nonviolent man or woman, we'd love to teach you what to do if something crazy happens. More importantly, we'd like to teach you what not to do. We currently have over half a million members. They are doctors and single moms and firemen and grandmothers and veterans and Democrats and Republicans and members of 
every faith. But the one thing they all have in common is that they know exactly what to do if something crazy happens. When you're with one of our members, you are safe. Our members know how to de-escalate situations. They know how to calm things down. We are the United States Concealed Carry Association. See what we're all about at usconcealedcarry.com. Discover the little-known backstory of the U.S. Concealed Carry Association at usconcealedcarry.com. The mere sound of his voice makes women swoon and men storm the gates of hell. Welcome back to the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. And now let's continue our conversation with Tom Lambert as we discuss some new firearms laws in the state of Michigan. Last segment, Tom, we were talking about the Bruin decision. Now here in Michigan, we've got a whole boatload of new firearms laws that are coming up. I need you to describe those to all the people first so they know how to follow the law. And then second, how is Bruin going to come into play here on ruling whether or not the, all these laws are constitutional or not? Yeah, we have a, a couple of different new laws going into effect on February 13th. And we're going to describe generically what is in those. But as I describe them, just like we talked about in the last segment, I want all of your listeners to ask yourself as we talk about it, is there a history and tradition of this kind of regulation during the ratification of the Second Amendment, or at the time around the ratification of the Second Amendment, such that this is consistent with the history and tradition? Because if your answer is no, then you might think that a court should strike this down as unconstitutional. Of course, we will see what courts say in the meantime, I prom or in the future, I promise you. There's three packages of bills. Let's just generically refer to them as the firearm licensing bill, the red flag bills, and the storage bills. The firearm licensing one, a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with the pistol purchase licensing in Michigan. You either have to have a CPL or you have to go to a gun dealer or you get to have to get this purchase license before buying a pistol. What they did is they effectively applied that to all guns. They struck out the word pistol in the law and they wrote the word firearm. So as of February 13th, in order to purchase any gun, be it a pistol or a long gun, the person in Michigan will need to either first get the license to purchase from any local sheriff's department or police department, or they can go to any dealer, or they can have their concealed pistol license exemption, and then they just fill out the sales record like they normally do. Now, there's one little caveat to that that's going to make things difficult for people. Some of your listeners might remember a long time ago, well, prior to 2012, where you had to go get a purchase license for a pistol and then go to your gun store where you would get the background check. You had to do both. Well, unfortunately, we're going back to that kind of a system here as of February 13th. If you don't have your concealed pistol license, and this may be a good time for you to get your concealed pistol license if you don't already have it. Again, if you don't have the concealed pistol license and you wish to buy a pistol even from a gun store, you will have to first go get that purchase permit from your local sheriff or police department. Well, on the licensing bill, is it retroactive? Is this just on new guns that I buy or is are my old guns grandfathered in? That's a wonderful question and it is not retroactive. 
And oh, so when it comes to God. long guns, it's just any transfers that take place in the future. So, okay, well, what's the next one, Tom? The next one is the red flag stuff. And most people know generally how red flag legislation works throughout the state. One of the peculiar things in Michigan is we do have to watch out for the fact that they can judge shop in Michigan. What I mean by that is, let's say you're in a county where you know your circuit court or your county level judges are good judges and they're not just going to hand these things out like candy. That They're only going to hand them out when somebody truly presents a true and obvious problem. Well, if somebody wants to get one of these orders against you and they know that your county judges are not going to issue one against you, well, what they can do is they can go to a different county. They can go apply for one of these in Wayne County and have the Wayne County judge issue one of these against you. I think that's incredibly legally problematic. That's what they wrote in the law. The next thing you need to know about any red flag law is the threshold to issue it. The lower the threshold is, the more likely it is to be struck down as unconstitutional under due process grounds. Because the easier it is to take away your rights, the less process that you are given before your rights are taken away, the more likely it is to violate due process. I think it turns out to be one of the lowest thresholds in the country. Now, that's problematic when it comes to having these issued in the state. On the other hand, potentially it gives us a leg up when challenging it in court. Stay tuned on that front. Uh, I don't like that one. So what other bad news do you have for us, Tom? What's the third group? The last one is storage. Effectively, for, I'm sure the vast majority of listeners store the firearms as they should. It's really not going to be a big of a big problem for you here. All it really requires you to do is, if you know that a minor is going to be around, keep your firearms locked up. It's not written the best in terms of exactly what you have to do, what your obligations are, but it's mitigated by on the back end when the punishments incur. It's only going to punish people where the minor obtains possession of the firearm and does something with it, obtains possession and takes it into public, obtains possession and harms themselves or somebody else. So we don't have to worry too much about the minor cases. Um, it's, it's only the, the larger stuff. Again, I do think there are some problems with it, but because of the way the punishments apply, I think in the vast majority of cases, that will mitigate the problem. Well, I hope that's the case. I just don't have a lot of faith in prosecutors and, and judges, especially in far left-leaning anti-gun places. How are we going to fight this? Is there anything that, that we can do in court? Are there any court challenges out there now? I can tell you I am part of a team of attorneys that is looking into litigating all of this. I would expect to see at least some litigation on it in the very near future, ideally. When it comes to each of these three things, you'll have to pay attention to exactly when you can file suit. There's this thing called standing in federal court. You have to be able to show how you are injured from it. When it comes to a red flag law and the storage stuff, probably it's going to be hard to show injury until they go after somebody. With the licensing law that just automatically affects everyone, you'll probably see something earlier rather than later. But I promise you, things are absolutely in the works. You should absolutely support your state gun group of choice or state gun groups of choice, as well as the ones at the national level. There is a lot of friendly working together going on here. That sounds great. All hope is not lost. 
is there a place people can go to donate money to pay for all, all this these legal proceedings? Sure. I am part of the board of directors and the legislative director for Michigan Open Carry, where you've heard from me in the past. They can go online to miopencarry.org. Michigan Open Carry does have a legal fund. Part of the people in this endeavor is also Michigan gun owners. You can find them online, as well as Michigan Coalition for Responsible Gun Owners. Again, all state groups are working together. And the last one also pitching in on this is Great Lakes Gun Rights. I do have one more thing for you, Skip, when it comes to Bruin. I talked to a lot of gun owners that once these things pass, they kind of got down on themselves. Oh, man, oh, they passed this gun control. Oh, we're going to have to deal with this. It was, it was depressing. Very understandable that it was depressing. But through fights, through endeavors, challenges like this, that's where progress is made. If we take these new laws, specifically the gun licensing law, we bring it to court. We say, Your Honor, this is unconstitutional under the Bruin test, and the court agrees with it. Again, I think there's a very good chance that the court will. The court can't just strike down the new changes and say, No, you have to go back to the way it was. The court can't do that. The court can look at the laws and it can say, It's in or it's out. If the court looks at what they've enacted now, they changed it to, it says, Nope, this is too far. The whole thing goes, Skip, all of it, for every piece that the court says is unconstitutional. So they can't say that you have to go back to just doing this for pistols. They have to say the entire scheme is unconstitutional. And while I can't promise you anything that will happen, I want to be very clear to your listeners that there is a very distinct possibility that through this kind of fight, we could end up gaining ground in the long run. We could end up with more freedom than we had prior to this. The glass is half full. Hey, we are out of time, Tom, but you've been great. This is Skip Correll and Home Defense Show. Coming up next, we'll have our self-defense report with Vincent Walker from the state of Maryland, brought to you by shootingclasses.com. During the break, go ahead and check out our sponsors. USCCA at uscca.com, Centershot Indoor Gun Range at centershotgunrange.com, and shootingclasses.com. God bless and stay safe. We will be right back. Firearms training should be easy. Instructors can focus on teaching and not worry about all the complex paperwork and management behind the scenes. Just pull the trigger and let us do the administrative work. Welcome to shootingclasses.com. At Center Shot Gun Range, we are passionate about training. Don't know where to start? We offer a one-hour new shooter seminar to introduce you to the world of firearms and help you find training opportunities specific to you. Concealed carry, home defense, firearm safety, AR-15, private one-on-one -on -one training, custom training, or maybe you're on a security team looking to protect your church or business. We even offer weekday morning and evening classes. Center Shot Gun Range has you covered. Start your journey at centershotgunrange.com. Firearms training should be easy. Instructors can focus on teaching and not worry about all the complex paperwork and management behind the scenes. Just pull the trigger and let us do the administrative work. Welcome to shootingclasses.com. He's no Einstein, but he can read and write and feed himself just like a big boy. Welcome back to the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. And that was the beautiful and sultry voice of Golden Glenn, the official announcer of the Home Defense Show, and I'm your host, Skip Coriel. 
Don't forget to check out our sponsors, United States Concealed Carry Association, shootingclasses.com, and Centershot Indoor Gun Range for all your training and equipment needs. And now it's time for our weekly self-defense report sponsored by shootingclasses.com. And today we're speaking with firearms instructor Vincent Walker from the great state of Maryland. Vincent, welcome to the Home Defense Show. Thank you. It's good for having me. Well, hey, I'm honored to, to have you, Vincent. Why don't you start out, just give us 30 seconds of, of who you are and your experience and all of that good stuff. Okay, not a problem. Um, my name is Vincent Walker. I'm the president, CEO, owner of Walker's Farms and Defensive Tactics Training. I started this company two years ago after I retired from the federal government as a Department of Defense police, uh, federal police officer. I had 15 years in the Navy doing multiple things from corrections. Uh, Walker Farms is a company I started because I wanted to share all of my experience with other people that want to get this concealed carry permits. And it's just pretty much is fun. I like shooting. I like telling the stories that I've seen in my careers to help uh, individuals that don't have that type of law enforcement background to mm -hmm. be a better shot and also to understand what the laws are as far as when you're carrying a weapon. Well, you have a, a good background. It's it's well-rounded. And so I look forward to hearing what you have to say about this one. Uh, this is certainly an interesting story today. Uh, the headline reads, on December 30th, officers shot Russum, and I can't even pronounce that name, age 37 in the leg after a brief standoff above a convenience store. All right. It says body camera footage has been released from a police shooting in Southwest Baltimore late last year that involved a nude man with a combat knife and a machete. So he's only wearing a knife and a machete. Okay. Um, officers shot Russum in the leg after a brief standoff above a convenience store. The release footage appears to show him in the buff walking into the store on West Pratt Street. Now, I, I don't get to Baltimore very often, but I assume that's not something you see every day there. No, it's not. The man was eventually found in an apartment above the store. Officers moved in and began ascending a staircase, but they said the man allegedly started throwing objects at them from above, including feces, of all things, forcing them to temporarily retreat. Officers called for backup and returned to their patrol cars to recover a ballistic shield. Uh, that was probably a level 3F ballistic shield, so, you know, that would fight off feces. Cops scaled multiple flights of stairs and cleared several rooms as they tried to find uh, the man's hiding spot. When they reached the third floor, the man emerged from behind a door, brandishing what cops claim was a combat knife and a machete. As he approached the officers, one of them, a nine-year veteran of the force, fired his gun five times. The man was struck once in the leg, and police took him into custody, charging him with attempted first-degree murder, attempted second-degree murder, and other charges. He was treated for his injuries before taken to jail. Vincent, what, what are your initial thoughts about that whole encounter? Uh, well, first, the police need to go to the range more, because you don't see <laughs> one time in the leg. It's kind of like it was a mental health issue going on right there. And I know in the city... Throughout the uh, uh, D.C., metropolitan, Virginia area, that's one of the big things going on right now, a lot of mental health illnesses. So they should have had a mental health person on standby, just in case. But ascending a stairwell, getting feces, yeah, I don't want nobody throwing no feces on me because I will get 
really ticked off and the individual may not uh, walk out of it on his own power. Yeah, but all cops are extremely professional. They're trained to take abuse, aren't they? True, 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 true. Uh, I'm messing with you, Vincent. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you take abuse because that's you signed up for because, as we discussed before we came on air, you can be called everything from A to Z and not a child of God, and you have to suck it up. Yeah. You can't, you can't wear your feelings on your shoulders. I tell my students when they are training with me, the first question is, my mind is, can you really take this gun and shoot somebody if you had to? Because yeah. I want to know what their mental state is as far as doing that. Well, the cops in this story, in the video, you can definitely see there's a, a machete. He was trying to use deadly force against him. There was the mental illness factor. That seems to be increasing all, all over the country. But how do you feel that the cops did as far as their, their performance here? They, they did they did what they're supposed to do. Again, I'm, I'm surprised he walked, he got walked out of there alive, to be honest with you, because you don't know anybody's skill set with a knife, machete, whatever. So they yeah. had the right for deadly force. Deadly. That's, I mean, that's standard. If you guys may come with a machete and a knife. This is Skip Coriel, and you're listening to the Home Defense Show as we discuss self-defense with Vincent Walker from shootingclasses.com in the great state of Maryland. Vincent, do you do you think it's possible that the police officer tried to shoot him in the leg and that's why it took five shots? Or or was it just bad shooting? What 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 do you think? Honestly, if you skip, probably so, because we as law enforcement, we take a lot of skepticism from uh the civilians out here that don't know the ins and outs of being a law enforcement officer. And everything, first thing here is, well, you could have shot him in the leg. You could have shot him in the shoulder. You could have used yeah. a taser. But they don't understand. When someone's coming with you with a deadly weapon as a knife or machete, it's either you go home or they don't go home. You just kind of react and, you know, your heart's pumping 200 beats a minute. People don't understand that even police officers have physiological reactions that, that happen to them too, even though it may have, have happened before. True. And if you understand something too, Skip, civilians, if they the, uh, it was reversed on them, trust me, I guarantee you they would stop the kill that or stop that threat any way they can. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to edged weapons, a blunt force uh, attack, what do you recommend to the average civilian? You You got someone coming at you like that. Maybe he's 10, 15 feet away. What do you recommend that the average civilian do to protect themselves from that threat? Two straight to the chest. Send a mask. I tell my students all the time. Because one of my students asked me, well, I can't shoot him in the leg. Why? I'm not trying to shoot him in the leg. I'm trying to shoot center mask due to the fact is that leg is a small part of the body where the center mass is a whole wide sector. Because I tell them, I tell them every time, you account for that bullet that comes out that gun. So you got a little kid riding a scooter down the street and you miss that leg and hit that little child down the, going down the school on the street, guess what? You're going to get locked up. You're going to get your house taken. Everything's going to be, you're gonna, your life's going to be ruined pretty much. Yeah, you're right. And and the leg is lower. It's closer to the ground. So if there is a small child around, that could be a, a really bad thing. So, you know, that's pretty much what I what I teach too. You know, you rapid fire center of exposed mass on, until the threat stops. And uh you know, what else, what else are you going to do? Because you're not going to be in your best shooting form at a time like that. You're not going to be more accurate. You're probably going to be less accurate. True, because I teach my students also about use of force, the continuum of that. I tell them if they 
a mount, say, 20,000 feet away, they scream at you with a machete and a, th and a knife, throw you back in your house. Leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> you can do. But if they if they close up with they can, because I say, we don't know people's skill sets. I don't know if he's a martial art expert. I mean, who knows? But yeah. if he's that close, two to the chest and call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I tell my my younger students is say, hey, listen, you're in the prime of your life. Turn around, run and and make him make him catch you. This is true. Vincent, that's a good analysis. All good advice. Can you tell the uh, the listeners where they can go to find out more about you and and your training? Well, my website is wfdttllc.com. You can also find me on shooter, shootingclasses.com. And it's Walker's Farms Defensive Tactics Training in Beltsville, Maryland. All right. Okay. And so basically anywhere in Maryland, the Washington, D.C. area is where you do your training. Yes, sir. All right. Well, hey, Vincent, thank you very much for being on the Home Defense Show today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Skip, and I hope we'll come back again. All righty. Awesome. Okay, folks, this is Skip Coriel on Home Defense Show, and that about wraps it up for this week's show. I've had a good time, and I hope you have too. Please don't forget to thank our sponsors, Centershot Indoor Gun Range at centershotgunrange.com, shootingclasses.com to help you find the right trainer for your needs, and the United States Concealed Carry Association. For all your self-defense needs, go to uscca.com. Oh yeah, and before I forget, I've written 20 plus books and they're all available on amazon.com in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. This week, check out one of my nonfiction books titled Self-Defense Scenarios, Staying Alive in a Dangerous World. I think you'll love it. And if you want training from me in person, then check out Midwest Tactical Training at shootingclasses.com. Please join us again next week for all your home defense needs. In the meantime, God bless and stay safe. Thank you for joining us this week on The Home Defense Show. Now, get out there and protect the ones you love. We'll see you next week with more of the best. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! <laughs>